So we have this somewhat perplexing gospel about the Lord bringing division, not peace. Not peace to the earth. And yet, if we read all of the other gospel passages that, that speak of such things or similar similar ideas, we find that, in fact, Jesus is not concerned about fixing everything on earth. He doesn't see the world that he came into as something that needs to be fixed of all of its problems, all of its sufferings. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't why he became man. He did not become man to heal everybody. He did not become man to bring just peace in the now, in the now, to the world. He will bring peace, but not the kind of peace the world expects. He says as much. He talks about this fire that he wishes was already burning, and whenever we hear of of fire, we, we can think of a couple of images, but in this passage, he's likely referring to purifying fire. He wants people to be purified, purified of their illusions about who he is, about who God is. And then he says, there's a baptism with which I must be baptized. What is he referring to? His crucifixion. And how much anguish it gives him until it happens. He knows why he became man. He became man, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, the only man to ever be born solely that he would die. The only man to be born solely that he would die. This is the reason he became man, was to die on the cross. All of the other stuff that he did, significant, no doubt, pointed toward this one act, his saving death on the cross. And it is that reality that brings about division. The division comes because people must make a decision. Do I believe or do I not? Every single person in here has to make that decision, and not just once, sometimes many times. Do I believe that Jesus, what he said, that it's true? Do I believe that his death on the cross saved me of my sins? Do I believe that he is truly divine? Do I believe in what he has said? Do I believe? That's what faith is. It's an act. It's not just a feeling. Oh, I lost my faith. Where did it go? Well, I don't know. I just don't feel like I believe. That's not what faith is. Faith is not a feeling. It's a positive act toward divine revelation. What, what has been revealed through Jesus Christ in the scriptures and tradition, it's a yes to that. That's what faith is. Is it a gift? Yes. It's more than just an act. It begins with God's initiative as a seed. But then we nurture it. We choose I can only imagine how many teenagers are even here today who were dragged to Mass. I don't want to be here. You're the grumpy ones among us. Grumpy teenagers. I was one until I got it. Until I made my decision that it was true. That Christ was, in fact, who he said he was. Tonight might be a good time to... uh, to throw out C.S. Lewis's famous trilemma. Trilemma. Because he said this about Jesus Christ. 
You can believe certain things about Jesus, but you can't believe other things. In other words, to say that he was merely a moral teacher is nonsense, because it's not who he, what he claimed to be. To claim that he was merely a prophet is nonsense, because he didn't claim to be merely a prophet. A prophet, yes, but more than that. To claim that he was just merely a good guy, like any of the other good guys that have existed throughout history, is nonsense. It's complete nonsense to hold that position. Here's why. Jesus claimed to forgive sins in his own name, and he acted as though the sins personally offended him, that he was the one who was offended by the sin. He claimed in many places that he was God. Anytime, especially in the Gospel of John, you hear Jesus say, I am, he's naming himself Yahweh. That is what I am. That is what the name I am means in Hebrew. I am who am, Yahweh. He claimed to be God. He claimed to forgive sins. He claimed that his death on the cross would forgive sin. He's either, here's the trilemma, are you ready? He's either crazy. He's either crazy. He's either a liar from the depths of hell, or he is who he says he is. There's really no other option. Either he's crazy, and he's saying to the people, I forgive you of your sins. Well, who can do that but God? No human being can forgive sin as though the sin had, had actually personally offended. Imagine me coming out to you and just saying, I forgive you of your sins. And you're like, Father, you do that in confession. No, but if I just did it outside of confession, like me, John Eric, I forgive you your sins, you'd think he's crazy. He's crazy or he's a liar. Jesus is either crazy, a liar, or he is who he says he is. He is, in fact, God. And every single one of us must wrestle with this decision. John, Kurt, John Courtney Murray, the famous Jesuit, spoke of, of the problem of God. And he said, for everyone, it's a problem. God is a problem that must be wrestled with. To just stay on the sidelines and say, yeah, I don't really know, is, is a cop-out. Every person must decide yes or no. And that decision has to happen many times in our life. You know, when we're feeling Christ's presence and we're feeling that he's close to us and that happens, when he reveals himself to us through prayer or, or through another person, it's kind of easy to say yes. But when the suffering comes, and it comes, and it comes heavy, that's when it's hard. When the difficulty comes, when people in your life die, when they suffer, when injustice comes and life is not fair, life is never fair, it's simply not. When all of that happens and we, we want to kind of scream to the rooftops, God, where are you? That's when the yes is the most important. That's when I trust you is the most important. That's when you must know what you're doing because I don't know what you're doing is the most important. I believe that who you say you are is in fact who you are, that you are God. 
So our faith is never uh, just sort of something we decide at some time in our life and then it, it, it remains stagnant. Our faith is something which can ebb and flow. But in those difficult times, in those times of suffering and sacrifice, those are the times that our faith grows the most. Because those are the times when it's hardest. Um, you know what floaties are, right? <laughs> the, the things you put on little babies' arms to put it, throw them in the pool so they don't drown. And you put, <laughs> you put them on the, the little... And the babies kind of look like me, little fat people, though. <laughs> and they just bob, you know, with the floaties. Sometimes we're buoyed up like that. That's called God's grace. He fills us with His presence. And He just sustains us. And it's amazing. And we think, oh, it'd be great to stay here forever. Remember like the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. And Peter says, he sees the transfiguration. He's like, let's build, you know, let's build some tents and just stay here forever. That's the experience. And it's wonderful when it comes. And it's awful when it leaves. But when it leaves, or kind of like when the training wheels are taken off, it's those times when we have to swim on our own power. It's when God is making us into adult Christians with adult faith. He wants us to mature. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be as self-sufficient as possible, knowing that His grace is always there for us but as strong as we can be. And so, brothers and sisters, on this day, when you come forward, well, actually, two points. We're going to profess the creed together, which is a statement of our faith, and let's have it robust tonight. And when you come forward to receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, when we do that, we are receiving God. We are receiving divinity himself. And when you receive tonight, renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. When you say amen, really mean I believe, really mean I assent, truly mean I accept you, Jesus Christ. Please stand. <clears throat>